Well, hey guys, my name is Henry. I'm a ministry apprentice here at Christchurch. And as Mike was saying, I work with our youth. So I'm really looking forward to working alongside Simeon this year to see teenagers come to know and love the Lord Jesus. Keep your Bibles open to Philippians. That's where we'll be sitting in tonight. And let's start by praying. Heavenly Father, you are Lord of all. Help us to listen tonight and to see where our lives fit in your plan for this world. Amen. Well, here's a question to think about. Do you want your life to count? Do you want to live a life that is significant, that truly makes a difference in this world? What sort of impression are you hoping to make on this world? You know, ten years after you die, are people going to say, oh, I remember him, I remember her, or they say, who's that? Do you want your life to truly matter in the long run? Back when I was younger, I really wanted to live a life that truly counted for something, that really mattered. You know, I, I was studying hard, trying my hardest at everything I was doing because I wanted my life to be worth it. I didn't want to have a, a single minute that be, could be called wasted. My life was going to count. I wanted to be able to look back on my life and be happy with everything that I'd accomplished. My life was just like a bunch of boxes that I needed to check. And this, of course, went along with my lifelong desire to be the best out there at everything, you know, to be the number one at everything I did. You might know that if you've seen me at kids' ministry. Um, and so as a kid, I wanted to figure out how to do this. You know, I remember back in like year seven, and I was, <laughs> I was scrolling through forums on, on different jobs and different unis. I was looking at the required ATAR that I'd need to get to get into a, a certain course, and then the marks that I'd need in that certain course to be able to go through uni and do my bachelor's and my master's and my PhD. I'd look at the average wages for different jobs and even look at certain job openings at the time. Keep in mind, this is like year seven, Henry. All of this was to make sure that I would be ahead of the game, having my eyes fixed on the goal of having my life count by being the best out there at what I was doing. And now maybe th this isn't what the desire to have your life counts looks like for you. I'm sure you have it. What is it that you are striving towards, putting your time and energy into so that you are remembered, so that you accomplish something in your life? What are your dreams and passions and things that you want to do so that your life matters? Everyone wants to live a life that matters, that makes a difference, either on a large scale or even just on a small scale with the people close to you. And then in year seven, I went on a camp with the youth group here at Christchurch, a camp called Spring Camp, and we looked at the book of Philippians. And I remember being challenged over that weekend, particularly by one verse, and it's that verse that convinced me to live for Jesus. Not to live to make myself significant, but to live to make him significant. Philippians 1.21 but to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
To live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the key verse for tonight. My challenge for you is to memorize this verse tonight. I'm going to be saying it a few times. I'll say it a few more. To live is Christ and to die is gain. In everything you do, think of that. To live is Christ and to die is gain. What's Paul talking about here? To get a better understanding, let's think about the context that Paul is in and then start at the beginning of our passage and work through it. So this is point one. To live is Christ and to die is gain. As a reminder, Philippians is a letter that a guy called Paul wrote to the church at Philippi while he was in prison. And so despite being imprisoned, Paul writes this letter to a church that he established to encourage them to keep going. And so it's incredible that in verse 18, there, despite his circumstances, Paul rejoices. He is filled with joy. Now, I remember back at the end of year 12, I went on an end-of-school trip to Alice Springs with a bunch of people here. And while I was there, I visited the prison. And let me say that the people in prison in Alice Springs, they're not filled with joy. Many of the people there are filled with sadness and despair, having lost all hope already. Potentially, in fairness, there is a difference between the circumstances of a prisoner today and a prisoner in Paul's time. You know, prison then seemed to be closer to remand. You weren't held as a part of your punishment, but you were held until your trial, when you would either be set free or killed. And so Paul was in chains, awaiting his trial, where he would either be freed or sentenced to death. And looking at both of these possible outcomes fills Paul with joy. Why? Well, verse 19, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul knows that he will be delivered. You know, the Philippians are praying, God has given his spirit, and so deliverance is secured. It's really interesting to try and think about what Paul is talking about when he says his deliverance. You know, at first, it's really easy for us to look at that and think, oh, he's, he's talking about being freed from prison. You know, he's going to be delivered from the hands of his oppressors out into freedom. Then we get verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed will have sufficient courage that, so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Christ will be exalted whether Paul lives or dies. And when he gets called before the judge and they decide whether he should be freed or killed, Christ will be exalted in both. But if Paul is talking about his, the possibility of his death there, then the deliverance in verse 19 must be more than just deliverance from the hands of the authorities. Because he's not saying that his deliverance lies in the hands of the judge. You know, that if the judge decides to set him free, well, that will turn out for his deliverance. Now, Paul knows that in Jesus, he has true deliverance. He has true freedom. And so Paul writes... 
For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's start more about thinking about that first part. Living is Christ. What does that actually mean? What means more than simply that life comes from Christ, you know, he is the source of our life, which is true, but this is more than that. It means more than that Christ lives in us, you know, in the Galatians 2.20 sense, that it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Verse 22, Paul says, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Well, in one sense, living is Christ because living means laboring for Christ. If the judge looks at Paul and says, go free, well, awesome. Paul gets to go around telling more and more people the good news of the gospel. For Paul, living is Christ because life for him means Christ. And one commentator says, life for Christ is, life for Paul is summed up in Christ, occupied with Christ in the sense that everything that Paul does, trusts, loves, obeys, hopes, preaches, follows, and so on, is inspired by Christ and is done for Christ. Christ and Christ alone gives inspiration, direction, meaning, and purpose to existence. Life means Christ. They're they're one in the same, almost like a metaphor. Life for Paul cannot be disconnected or brought apart from his Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be clear, this for Paul didn't mean he suddenly had an easy life. It's not like he was suddenly disconnected from the evil going on in the world. He was imprisoned, flogged, exposed to death, lashed, stoned, shipwrecked. He he went without sleep, without food, without water, without shelter, without clothing, all because he wanted to bring the good news of what Jesus had done to as many people as possible. The gospel compelled Paul to go through all of this suffering for the sake of the people that he wanted to share the gospel with. Because to live is Christ. And yet Paul knows that despite the hardships, there is nothing better than this. Living is Christ. In fact, in chapter 3, on the next page pretty much, in verses 7 to 9, Paul says that, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. It's not like Paul is upset that his life is being lived for and in and with Jesus. He considers Everything else, every achievement that he's made, the things that he could truly put his confidence in, things that he could boast about, he considers these things as garbage compared to Christ because to live is Christ. It makes perfect sense that Paul rejoices in the knowledge that his life is Christ. But to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's move on to that second part, that to die is gain. I think there are a bunch of people today who who feel this way, that they'd be better off dead. Depression can cause some people to feel like they have nothing to live for, and at least death would take away the pain of living. 
But with Paul's extremely high view of life, that his life is Christ, that's clearly not what he's talking about. The same commentator from before, he wrote, life which is Christ is not destroyed by death, but is only increased and enriched by death. Look at verse 23. A desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Paul can go on living, doing everything for Jesus, or he can die and go and be with Jesus. You can feel Paul's heart pulling him in different directions. If Paul dies, he is so convinced that he will go and be with Jesus. He knows that death can't separate him from his Lord because Jesus is Lord of the living and the dead. That was from our second Bible reading in Romans 14. It said, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might become the Lord of both the dead and the living. When Jesus died and rose again, he rose as the Lord, the king of everything, the king of everything alive, and his kingship even extends through death. Right now, Jesus is the king. And because of this, Paul knows that death can't separate him from his Lord. Nothing can, because Christ is Lord of all. Back earlier in Romans 8, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now we could use this time to speculate about what Paul is talking about. Departing and being with Christ? What does that look like? But Paul clearly isn't interested in answering that sort of question. The only thing he's interested in convincing us of is that when Paul dies, he will be with Jesus. It's quite similar to Jesus' words to the thief on the cross, to whom he said, Truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. When we die, we don't have to matter, well, we don't have to worry about where we will go. All that we need to know is that we will be with our Lord, which is better by far. And so death has lost sting over us and over Paul. You know, death maybe is even something that Paul is desiring. You know, when I was younger, I remember thinking about this and thinking, if I can die and go and be with Jesus and escape the bad things that are happening in this world, why wouldn't I? Have you ever had that question? Why isn't Paul saying that when he reaches the judge, he's going to say, Sir, I don't care if you find me guilty or not guilty, please kill me. If death is gain, why not? But, Paul says in verse 24, it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul knows that the Philippians still need him. And so verse 25, 26, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. If Paul was going to take a guess, he would have picked that he was going to live. 
And it's not because he overheard the guards speaking about his fate. And it's probably not also because he received some special revelation from God. But Paul looked at the facts and thought he knew what was going to happen. And he clearly isn't 100% sure. You know, later in the book, he goes on to say, even if I'm poured out like a drink offering, which is him, again, talking about the possibility of his death, but Paul seems to hear, think he knows what's going to happen. If Paul desires to go and be with Jesus, that he would stand before that judge and the judge would say, guilty, and that Paul would go and be with Jesus, be with his Lord. But he knows that God, who is in charge of the whole world and is working all things for the good of those who love him, He knows that this God will keep him because that's where he's needed. And you know, it seems he was right. It seems very likely that Paul lived for at least two years after this was written and some might even suggest even longer. If you're still living today, then God has you here for a reason. What is that reason? can almost assure you that the reason that that reason isn't what we so often spend all our time doing you know we we live our lives trying to accomplish things trying to achieve things and you know at the end of the day it won't be worth it so i guess the question becomes how do i live a life that counts how do i make my life truly matter that's my next point a life that counts. Paul knew that his life counted because he knew that there was something huge that he was waiting for, going to be with Jesus, and yet he knew that he would stay. Paul's life counted because his life was found in Christ. His life meant Christ. And that's what made his life count. But why? What makes living in Christ count? Well, Paul knew. He knew that his life was found in the eternal God, the Son, through whom, in whom, and for whom the whole world was made. He knew that his life was found in the baby whose mother was a virgin. He knew that his life was found in the man who walked this earth, healing people, teaching them that the kingdom of God had come near, telling them to repent. He knew that his life was found in the only man that didn't put himself as the boss of their life, who didn't rebel against God's good rule, who didn't stuff up. He knew that his life was found in Jesus who was betrayed, flogged, and lifted up onto a Roman cross who died and was buried. But he knew that this man didn't stay dead. But that his life was found in the resurrected Christ who defeated death forever. And he knew that his life was found in the king of the world who is ruling today over everything giving new life to those who turn to him and will return to judge the world. His life was found in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Paul's life counted because Jesus's counted. A life that counts can only be found in the death that counts. The death that counts because for all who turn to Jesus and trust that Jesus' death is sufficient for them, they can now be forgiven of that rebellion, their rebellion against God and are now gifted new life in him. And he now rules as the king, as lord of both the dead and the living because of his death and resurrection. Jesus' death counted and because Jesus' death counted, our lives can count too. A life that counts can only be found in the death that counts. So how can we live a life that counts? You know, the thing that I desired to make my life count, how can that be done? Well, we need to find our lives, not in our achievements, not in our abilities, not in our possessions, but in Christ. But to live is Christ. Put your life into Jesus' hands and at that point our lives can count because we are no longer working for ourselves. We are laboring for the Lord. In Mark 8.35, Jesus says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And of course, it's only with this knowledge that we can stare death in the face and say that dying is gain. Not because there's nothing to live for anymore, but because because we have everything to live for, not because, it's because we know that in our deaths, we will go to be with Jesus. Possibly the only thing that can beat living for Jesus is dying to be with Jesus. And so we have a choice. We can, we can work to make our lives count by accumulating wealth or degrees or likes on Facebook even. And by doing so, our lives won't count. We'll be forgotten, left behind. We can choose to live for Jesus. We can choose to place our lives into his hands, knowing that a life that counts can only be found in the death that counts. This verse is why I decided to live for Jesus. Jesus couldn't just be someone that I heard about on Friday nights and Sunday mornings. He couldn't just be someone that I learned about and then went on continuing to live as if it didn't make a huge difference. I wanted to be able to say that my life counts. And it's only by living for Jesus that anyone can say that. And that's why I can say with confidence that for to me, to live is Christ and to die. Let's, pr- let's pray. Father, you are worthy of all glory. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us. And thank you that he is now seated as the Lord of all, the living and the dead. Help us to live for him placing our lives in his hands, giving everything to him. Father, don't let us spend one minute not living for him. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.